The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you for tuning in each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern or 5 Pacific, East or West Coast, as we talk about the greatest sport in the world, and that would be horse racing. My favorite. I think it might be yours. If not, it should be growing on you by about now. You're tuned in here. We're going to be talking horse racing, so if you're looking for the flower show, you may want to look elsewhere. Belmont 141 is in the books. No history, but a very exciting race just the same. I think after the dust cleared from old Big Sandy at Belmont, we see things a little more clearly. But more about that later. What's happening tonight? The usual recap of last week. We've got to keep you up to date. We've got to be ready. We've got to know what happened. That's how we prepare for the future. We're going to talk about some biggins. Yep, biggins. How Winning Ponies has been doing as of lately. This week's special guest is veteran trainer and one of the game's brightest minds, Mr. Paul McGee. If the name sounds familiar, brother, Marty McGee. Columnist, writer, handicapper extraordinaire, and a guy that can toss back a couple cold ones, Mr. Marty McGee. So Paul and Marty are brothers. Family tradition there. They love horse racing. Our man Pistol Pete. Not going to blow this guy's horn a little too much, but Pistol Pete Aiello, one of the hottest voices in racing. Hottest voice in racing. It's one of the hottest men that I've seen in handicapping years of late. He picks his circuit, and he stays with it. He just doesn't bounce around. So i got to like that. So Pete has the discipline. That's, that's kind of one of the big keys. Pete has the discipline. Final furlong, it'll be with yours truly. We're going to talk about some handicapping. And to kick everything off and get everything going, we're going to talk a little bit about last week. Summer Bird provided an appropriately quick ending to the 2009 Triple Crown Series with an upset victory in Saturday's $1 million Belmont Stakes. Ending Calvin Burrell's Yodic quest to sweep the crown on two different horses. Wouldn't that have been cool? Calvin, one of the nicest guys going. You talk about a down-home guy that just, he says it the way he feels. I don't think he can script it up for Calvin. He just, he just speaks from the heart. With all the races in the record, the Kentucky Derby, Preakness, and Belmont went to two different Colts and won Philly. Burrell won the first two on Mind That Bird, and the Rachel, oh, my goodness, is she a quite a Philly. The Rachel, as I call her, Rachel Alexander, incredible runner there. And Kansas Arma, who lost triple crown chances twice before in the Belmont, 
finally gets his just dessert and wins the race with a nice stretch move on Summer Bird, getting his cold home two and three-quarter lengths ahead of pace-setting Dunkirk. Very fine race there for Todd Plutcher. Mind that bird, winner of the Kentucky Derby and runner-up to Rachel Alexander in the Preakness. Grabbed the lead at mid-stretch but couldn't hold on. Finished third. Some people say moved a little too soon. I'm not going to second-guess anybody. This guy is 42 years old and gets the job done for a 5,000-condition claimer or million-dollar race. I'm not going to second-guess him. You crazy? But it is a long stretch. And... He did take a little time off, and it does make you scratch your head, but no second-guessing here. Awfully proud of Calvin. Summer Bird and Mind That Bird were both sired by Birdstone, who won the 2004 Belmont, ending Smarty Jones' Triple Crown hopes. Seems like yesterday when that happened. That was one of 19 times a winner of the Kentucky Derby and Preakness came to grief in the Belmont. DeSormo's contribution to that record of misery came aboard real quiet and nose loser to Victory Gallup in 98, and Big Brown, who was pulled up last year. A lot of question there, but that's horse racing. That's where the game plays. DeSormo was criticized for moving too soon on Real Quiet. A question also posed to Burrell. How can, how can we even begin to start posing the question about this? That's crazy. The more I think about it, I, I had to scratch that. I, he didn't move too soon. He, he, he moved when his heart told him to. According to Chip Woolley, when he was making the lead as they turned for home, I was thinking, we're in trouble, said Mind That Bird. Chip Woolley, it was just too early to make the lead here, and I was really concerned we used up a little too much horse in a turn. If you move too early with this horse, the past history shows he comes up empty. He did this time, but I think the man on top of him knew him best. Burrell said the early move was a combination of his mount wanting to go and the leaders coming back to him. Like he said, Maybe he might have moved a little tad too early, the veteran Cajun rider said, but he took me there. What's he going to do? Choke him down? Wear him down? Blow it down the stretch? Whew, no way. Gavin, congratulations, Chip Woolley. Class act of the year. Next race this summer could be at Saratoga and could be a rematch involving the top three in the Belmont and the fourth-place finisher, Charitable Man. Wouldn't that be nice to see? Summer Birds trainer Tim Ice. Been discussing the Jim Dandy and the Travers with the owners. He's only been training for 14 months. What does this guy got a future? I'll tell you what. That is incredible. Kudos to Tim Ice. It says, people tell me you have to go on two places, Del Mar and Saratoga. I've been told the same. I've been to Del Mar, and to take a horse like this to go on to Saratoga would be amazing. Sounds like another one of racing's nice guys. He said Summer Bird, who finished sixth in the Kentucky Derby, had just won for him the second time in five career starts. Came out of the Belmont in good order. Good to hear that. Had him grazing for two hours. On Sunday morning, he looks great. Todd Pletcher said Dunkirk's goal is the Travers, with perhaps a stop along the way in the Jim Dandy or the Haskell at Monmouth. Pick up a little change there. I think there's a little change up here in New Jersey. Three-year-old picture is still open. We'll have to see if someone steps up and strings. A couple of victories together. Even though the big three are down, big three races, that is, the action still leans on. Speaking about action, a little international. See the stars sat well positioned at the front in the second flight of Saturday's Epson Derby. Quickly moved past the leaders when asked by jockey Mick Kinane and sent on to win by a length and three quarters. 
Very nice race indeed. Did get to see the replay. Belmont Park. Belmont Park has some beautiful races. Race number six, grade two, true north handicap. You missed it. Fabulous strike, Ramon Dominguez. Odds on favor for t- trainer Todd Beatty. Walter Downey is the owner, paid 380, 262.10, wins by a length and a quarter. Dueled on the rail with a fast pace, fabulous strike, and Ramon Dominguez showed New York is their home. Race number seven, just a game stakes, a grade one event. One mile on the turf, 400,000, up for grabs, not chump change. Diamondrella, Rajiv Mara. This guy can ride from the Caribbean. Diamondrella, great bit and bread. Swung six wide, going away. Incredible. Diamondrella, nice ride. Rajiv Mara, another New York man. Race number eight to Woody Stevens, grade two, seven panels on the dirt. Munnings, John Velasquez. Breaks close, weighted, steady, turn, wins by five and a quarter lengths for one, the only Todd Pletcher. And Johnny V and Todd Pletcher, they team up and do some great things together. Race number nine, the Acorn Stakes, a grade one, a mile on the dirt, $300,000. Gabby's Golden Girl, gal. Gabby's Golden Gal. Javier Castellano in the irons, led from flag fall to that's all, at better than 13 to one to pay twenty eight forty for Bob Baffert. Bob has them in. You just got to buckle up tight. Arnold Zetcher is the owner. Gabby's Golden Gal, I know, destroyed a lot of the gimmicks. A lot of pick fours. A lot of pick sixes. 28-40 for the victory for Bullet Bob. Impressive. Then on to race number 10, the Woodford Reserve Manhattan. Handicap. Grade one, a mile and a quarter on the inner turf. $400,000 again. Gio Ponti. I believe I said I liked Giopanti a little bit last week. Garrett Gomez, I, I, that sounded horrible. not going to pat myself on the back for that. Garrett Gomez, Giopanti, by far looked the best. Swung wide, strong finish, very, very strong finish. Favorite in the race was Cowboy Cal, who finished ninth by five and a half lengths. Out with Johnny V aboard. Cowboy Cal's an honest as a day is long. Giopanti pays $9.25.390. Christophe Clement. For Lions, Castleton Farms. Race number 11, the grade one Belmont, a mile and a half on the dirt. One million bones up for grabs. Winner is Summer Bird, Kent Sormo. Wins by two and three-quarter lengths. Trouble early. Wide. Swung out when they were tiring down the lane a little bit. Finishing second was Dunkirk, Johnny Velasquez. Very nice race indeed. Todd Pletcher was very happy the way Dunkirk came out of this race. Remember, This is a three-year-old that is lightly seasoned. You can't really say that anymore, but each and every race, I'll tell you, it's called on-the-job training. Mind that bird, Calvin Burrell made a winner's move at the top of the lane, four-wide move, and led for a little while, opened up by half a length. But Big Sandy at Belmont can be a long stretch down the way, and maybe the other two races just took a little bit out of mind that bird. But just the same, kudos once again to Wooly and Burrell. Charitable man runs fourth. Alan Garcia aboard. Steadied at the eighth pole and tired. Come back to love, Gov. Miguel Mena rides on the Kentucky circuit. Turfway Park down at Churchill Downs, down at Keeneland. Ellis Park probably as well. Finished fifth. Flying Private Julian Lay Peru finished sixth. Steadied in early traffic, 17-1. Flying Private just never, never started the engines. Then 
The 10 brave victory, Rajiv Mara finished 7th, 27-1. Mr. Hot Stuff, Edgar Prado, 22-1, finished 8th. Chocolate Candy, Garrett Gomez, steady repeatedly, 9th by 29 lengths. Rounding out the field was 9 miners escape. Jose Lescano just didn't press the gas. Shut a little foot out of the gate and just hung up the boots a little early. Oh, it is time to head up to our first break when we return. We are going to be talking to one of the nice guys of racing, veteran trainer, and a guy that I think is going to bring a whole lot of insight to our listeners. So you're going to want to tune in, and you're only going to get that if you stay tuned to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Beauty, freedom, country, family. They're the values that make America strong and what our armed forces are fighting to defend. While many talk about these ideals without action, they are just empty words. If you think America's military families deserve more, log on to thanksusa.org. It's a great way to thank our troops and give military families the gift of education. Thanksusa.org. Scholarships for America's military families. You can make a difference. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horse Stradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports Tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. Good evening and welcome back to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer and as always in our second segment... We have our special guest of the week, and this week is no exception, as Winning Ponies is honored to have on veteran trainer and one of racing's nice guys, Mr. Paul McGee. Good evening, Paul. How you doing? Good, Ed. How are you? Well, I'm doing great, and, and thanks for taking the time and uh, hanging on with us. And uh, I know taking time away from family can be tough. It, you probably lead a, a long enough day as is. Well, it's good to be on. Glad, glad to be on. Well, we're very honored. Paul, could you give our listeners uh, just a little bio about you and uh, about Paul McGee and just how you got started in racing? 
Well, I'm a first-generation horseman, uh, but I went to the track with my dad, as did my brother Marty. Me and Marty hung out at the races all the time with my sisters. My dad took us all out to the races with him all the time. So uh, we were all enamored with the sport, uh, Marty and myself, and Marty ended up writing for the racing form, as you know, and uh, myself, I ended up walking hots on the backside at Churchill Downs and uh, graduated from walking hots to grooming horses and then started galloping horses, and then I was an assistant trainer uh, going through high school and college here in Louisville. And then uh, when I got out of college, I went out on my own as a trainer with a one-horse stable, and uh, now I'm up to a 35-horse stable. That is uh, that's that's a pretty nice little slate, and you are uh, stable down at Churchill Downs, correct? Yes, that's right. And you took out your license, I believe, in '87. Right. Yeah, I had my first winner in '87. I had with a four thousand dollar claimer. It was a horse that uh, it was a nine year old horse that I had been galloping for Philip Thomas, and uh, the owner basically gave up on the horse, as did Philip. And uh, Philip suggested, "Why don't you let Paul have a shot with this horse?" and I ran the horse uh, a few weeks after taking him over, and, and he won a four thousand dollar claiming race. <laughs> you know what? That is a that is no sweeter thing. Everybody starts somewhere four thousand, four million. And I think, as we said, it right in between. You know, they pay as well, don't they? That's right, they do. <laughs> just, sometimes just not as much. Paul, you made mention about uh, your brother, and uh, Marty McGee was actually one of my first guests. I actually, had on the show. And I've known Marty for years, and I've known you to see and speak to you a few times, and, and I'm very honored to have you on as a guest. Tell us a little bit about family tradition. We've got brother, sister, and brother-in-law all in racing. Right. right. Well, we've all migrated to the racetrack. It's, uh, I don't think it's what my mom and dad had <laughs> envisioned when, uh, when we were growing up, but that's just the way that it's panned out. We've uh, just all just loved the sport of horse racing. My little sister Amy is married to Ron Ellis, and uh, Ron, as you know, is a successful trainer on the West Coast in Southern California. Yes. Uh, so we've just uh, uh, we just love the sport, Ed, and uh, we've it, it, for me it's been a labor of love, and I think it's been the same way for Marty and uh, Amy. She loves nothing more than to go out to the races with Ron and uh, my other sister Susan. She had a stint with uh, Hollywood Park and Santa Anita when she lived in L.A., and now she's got uh, four kids, so she's no longer with the racetrack, but she still enjoys the races. Well, it's because she has a whole stable of her own with four. <laughs> My goodness, I- I'll tell you what, I didn't know it was that deep. I, you know, I, I was just kind of reading, uh, reading about the NTRA, uh, how it has the bios, and, and I was just kind of just scanning over it, and I, I picked it up. I said, well, you know, Paul and I are about the same age. And, you know, I just kind of was like, geez, old Pete's. I mean, the entire family, I knew about Ron, and, and, and I even uh, alluded to a story when I, I, I saw you in, in Vegas. Well, I was out there, and luckily I was playing in the NTRA championship, and I ran into Vegas was, uh, excuse me, the Paris was empty, and you guys were drinking uh, ice water. Uh, yourself, Marty, <laughs> and there's another gentleman with you, and you were in town for a wedding in Vegas. Right, right. So I, I kind of thought that was kind of cool, you know, to run into. There's where I said, you know, of all the places I'd run into you, Marty, I would have never thought it would have. <laughs> but it was about 10 o'clock at night, and I think we might have been playing uh, maybe the last couple of Penn National, but, hey, those are guys that love the races. Oh, I'm sure that's what Marty was doing. He was he was playing the last at Penn National, like <laughs> 
<laughs> you know that they like you said they all pay. You know, you've been blessed with some really fine runners in your barn that have been under your guidance. Tell our listeners about some of your top runners. Well, I've had a few million-dollar earners. Uh, namely, I've had a couple of grade one winners in Honor and War, and uh, I Believe in You won the grade one starlet at uh, Hollywood Starlet at Hollywood Park. Uh, Honor and War won the uh, Woodford Reserve uh, Turf Classic at Churchill Downs, and then I had Bet on Sunshine, who won a million five, kind of the hard way. He was uh, he was a hard knocking sprinting horse that that won multiple stakes, and uh, he was third in the Breeders' Cup Sprint two different times. Uh, so those were my top horses, Ed. I'll tell you what, you know, I, it just seems like yesterday Bet on Sunshine, and if, and if he wasn't in the race, you know, you feel like something was wrong and something was askew there, but I mean, you had some very nice runners' eyes on that. He bought his RB, I remember. Cash a few tickets on Baltas RB. When you, I guess when you cash, you, you tend to remember a little bit more as you, as you talked about honor and war. But my favorite of favorites is Bet on Sunshine. And if I may ask, is Bet on Sunshine still with us? Uh, hopefully. Yeah, he's, at, he's pensioned at, uh, he, he's eating grass and he's, he's fat and happy out at Hermitage Farm. He's a gelding. So, he, of course, he didn't, never went to the breeding shed, but he's been at Hermitage Farm since he retired. He ran as a 10-year-old, and uh, he is 16 years old now. He's at Hermitage Farm doing very well. You know, when you talked about pension, just getting fat and eating, uh, you know, eating away, you know, I start, you know, looking in the mirror, and I can see myself. I, I, I wonder if I've been pensioned. I just didn't know it. <laughs> uh, well, he's uh, he's getting fat on grass and carrots. I don't I don't know what you might be getting uh, heavy on. Well, it's, it's it's McDonald's and beer. So I mean, it's it's all it's all relative. You know how it works, Paul. I have to ask you as a trainer. You know, it, I, this is like you know trying to pick a favorite child. It's impossible. What do you feel is your strong suit? Would, would it be babies, older horses, uh, horses that are coming off the shelf on the men, new claims, or turf runners? What, what what's best for Paul McGee? Well, I guess uh, I might have to answer that in a funny way. I, I can guarantee it's not with first-time starters. My, my stats with first-time starters is horrible. I tend to give horses a race first time out. I tend to educate them. Uh, my two-year-old first-time starter stats are horrible. Uh, but I guess uh, the older class horses are, are the horse horses that I like. I, I like to think that... Uh, my horses show some longevity. Uh, you know, they, they race as five, six, seven-year-olds. And uh, in the case of Bet on Sunshine, as a nine- and a ten-year-old. So I guess uh, to answer your question, it would be with the, with the older horses, the mature horses. Um, but uh, a Paul McGee first-time starter, I don't know that you want to bet <laughs> on a horse like that. <laughs> well, you know, and, and wait a minute. We're of about the same age here, so don't take any offense to this. But going back in time... A lot of the best trainers weren't in such a hurry to make it to the winner's circle right out of the gate as, as the money is so lucrative in so many places, and it, there's such an urgency. You know, they want to see what they got and bring them along slow. And, and hence you said uh, about the, the longevity and bet on sunshine uh, speaks for himself. And, uh, is, you know, as he's probably, uh, he's probably tuned in just listening and eating away and just saying, you know, he was right. He just took his time with me. and. Got to carry on, but yeah, I, I, I see that with a lot of uh, a lot of younger trainers. They're in such a such a damn hurry just to get there so quick. Right, but myself, Ed, I, I feel like you don't get paid for uh, for working a horse in fifty nine and change in the mornings. 
Um, you don't you don't get a paycheck for doing that. So um, I I hate burning my horses up, so to speak, in the mornings. Um, I know a lot of the top trainers, and nothing against you know your Bafferts of the world and your Lucases of the world. I mean, those guys are in the Hall of Fame. I'm not, but those guys tend to crack first time out with their with their younger horses. Um, I just I'm uncomfortable doing that. I like to I like to bring a horse along a little bit more slowly. You know, I, I once read a quote, and, and I don't know if it, it, may, it may have been D. Wayne Lucas. It seems that he's turning into be one of the most quotable sources uh, out there. And he said, "There's only so many bullets in a gun. Now, you know, you can choose if you want to bring them along a little slowly, shoot one, wait a little while, but he tends to used to, you know, bring them out and fire a little more quickly." Same way with Bob Baffert. I don't know if it's their style or, or you know, and, and I'm not even beginning to question it because, as you said, I mean, their record speaks for itself. But I guess every trainer has their own angle, and, and you know, some are a little more patient, and they, they feel like, you know, after we get about three or four years old, you know, we might start looking for the breeding shed. Others, you know, keep them in the game. I mean, bet on sunshine and gelding to keep a, to keep a runner together and, and full health and compete at that level is incredible. I mean, that's a testament to your – your abilities and your patient, but I have to ask you the hard question. As men has done pretty well in our sport, and you're not done yet by any means, what advice would you give a person who wants to enter the profession? Well, it's uh, it's definitely hard work. It's uh, it's seven days a week is the is the uh, is the answer to your question. Of if, if a young person is willing to commit seven days a week, fifty two weeks a year to the sport. That, that is, in fact, what it takes. But uh, you have to love it. I mean, nobody is going to give that, that kind of uh, time and energy to something unless they really love it. So although it's seven days a week and it's 52 weeks a year, if you love it and you enjoy it, it doesn't feel like work to you. So you have to love it. Um, that's what it takes. Um, and I would... Uh, let me interject at this point talk, uh, and getting back to the uh, you know training philosophy kind of thing. Billy Mott to me is is the best in the business, and I've always thought he is the best in the business. And here is a guy that definitely takes his time with horses. So you want to emulate a guy like Billy Mott, who um, has always had a high win percentage, and yet he he gets the longevity out of the horses, and uh, he he seems to get everything out of a horse. You know, when, when you mention Bill Mott, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to find a chink in his armor. And when you mentioned 52 years, seven days a week, you have to have some great people under your tutelage that actually allow you a little bit of family time, possibly a vacation if there ever is such a you know, word in, uh, in your vocabulary. But you must have some tremendous people that actually work under you. Yeah, for sure. It takes good. You're you're only as good as your help. I've got a good assistant in Galen Pruitt. He's worked for me for 12 years now. Uh, Randy Martin is an assistant of mine that went out on his own. He's at Delaware Park now, and he's doing well on his own. But that's what it takes, Ed. It takes it takes good help. Um, I do, in fact, take vacations every now and then. I've got a wife and four kids, so I've got to <laughs> got got to get out and do a little something every now and then, other than horses. But the 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 bottom line is if you're going to be a trainer you you've got to be devoted to it but but it but it needs to be a labor of love i really like that i i once read and i know we've all heard it that if you find a 
if you find work you love, you'll you'll never have to really go and find a job or right along those terms. But it right. sounds to me that you're speaking right from the heart. I have to ask you with the Triple Crown in the books, what did you think of the runners and the winners? Well, I have to disagree. I heard some of your comments uh, prior to coming on the air, mm-hmm. and uh, you're not going to find a bigger Calvin Burrell fan than Paul McGee. I love Calvin. I think he is the greatest. He rode a horse for me today. He's won. In the eighth race? Yes. He's won, I don't know how many races for me. He's won a bunch of races for me. I love Calvin. But Calvin moved too soon on my Met Bird. Mm. You know, he it, it, pole to the five-eighths pole. He, he simply moved too soon. And Chip Woolley alluded to that after the race, and I thought Chip handled it great. I mean, he, he in so many words, um, said that Calvin moved too soon without, without really throwing Calvin under the bus. But I think objectively, if you look at that race, here's mine that, boot, here's mine that bird at the five-eighths pole moving outside of horses prematurely. You know, when you're, when you're a writer or you're on the radio or you're doing yeah, anything do on the Internet, it's so easy to second-guess. But I can, I can see your point, and it looked like when, when he floated out wide, just wide just to get into running, to, to get into his groove, it looks like he, he looked up and realized, wait a minute, there's a little more than a quarter mile here. Right. Well, um, and to me, the horse was not fighting Calvin. You know, his, his defense was, well, I had to let him go or he was going to get too rank. Well, the horse was not being rank at that point in time, in my opinion. Now, I was not on his back. Calvin was. But to look at it from the three-quarter pole to the five-eighths pole, I did not see my Matt Bird as being rank in Calvin's hands. And uh, I, I just thought he moved too soon. It's as simple as that. And I think a lot of other people will, will, will say that as well. Opinion appreciated, and uh, there's many uh, many people in the wagering windows who actually make our make our game go round, or we'd be running for blue ribbons. That uh, in fact, you know, they felt it was a little premature. But seasoned veteran rider Kent Sormo, he knew how long that stretch was, right? And, uh, and, and uh, he, he waited a little more patiently. And uh, the other bird, he actually took flight just about the time mine. That bird uh, kind of folded his hand just a little bit, but. You know, you, you had Calvin aboard your horse in the eighth race today, and uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? I believe you gave a pretty good account of yourself. Yeah, the horse ran big. He was third uh, at uh, seven or eight to one today. Uh, he kind of outran his odds, I felt like. It's a horse we claimed at, at Keeneland for 16000 and first off of the claim, he won a uh, 25 claimer at Churchill a few weeks ago and uh, tried him in an allowance race today, and he was a good third. I think you had a, a very solid effort. I saw there you uh, you ran uh, third against the uh, the even money favorite. I believe Lay Peru was on that. I believe Lay Peru was on that horse. And uh, Full Moon was second at even money. Yes. Yes. And and I saw that you know you ran ran a very solid third. But Paul, I have to ask you one more question, if you will allow, and your family will allow you one more question. As a man who knows the game, our industry is really facing a tough time. In your opinion, do you think the VLTs will be the big question in Kentucky? Well, I think uh, not only do we need VLTs tomorrow as as a uh, as a as a fix, we needed them ten years ago. Uh, we have it, it's been a slow, painful death for Kentucky racing. All the Kentucky gambling dollars that are going to the Indiana uh, boats and uh, racetracks with. Uh, 
casinos at them. We needed them ten years ago. It's 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 horrible to see the the plight that Kentucky racing is facing right now. Turfway Park purses were big. Purses now at Turfway Park are a fraction of what they were ten years ago. D. Wayne Lucas used to run at Turfway Park in the winters, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's just it's been a slow, steady decline, and we need help. Um, horses, people, trainers, uh, breeders are leaving the state, um, and it's it, it's not posturing, you know. And that that's what irks me about some of the arguments that I hear. Oh well, Churchill Downs is poor mouthing. Turfway Park is poor mouthing. It, it, it's not that. It's come to that. It's it's been ten years, twelve years in the making, and uh, it, it's dying. We we need to be on an even even playing field with the uh, states that have uh, alternate gaming at the racetracks. As working in the, in the industry, I can't agree with you more by leveling out the playing field. Uh, I think it was best said by uh, Bob Elliston on a radio interview. We're not asking for uh, a bailout. We're just asking for the tools necessary to sustain ourselves. And Nick Nicholson from Keeneland and Corey Johnson from uh, from uh, Kentucky Downs. Everybody is stepping up, and there's a, there's a lot of legislators. As there is a special session called for the 15th, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, right, and. VLTs are needed at the Kentucky tracks, um, Indiana, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. They're siphoning off much too much of our uh, uh, gambling dollars that are that are going towards their uh, uh, respective state programs, and uh, Kentucky is, is getting outflanked at every at every uh, at every venue. Paul, we can only hope that the legislators come to our rescue, and/or if not. Uh, something happens uh, legislatively where the, if I'd rather see it not go to a vote because it would be a more lengthy process and, and the uh, the prospects have been poor over the last few efforts, I would li- actually like to see the lottery be in charge of it, as, as I believe many people would, and to actually get it going because I believe other states would follow suit. Even uh, I, the racing in Ohio is is really is really against the ropes, and they're sucking for deep breath, and uh, they're they're needing they're needing the same kind of help as well. And there's there's so many models out there, uh, Prairie Meadows, uh, West Virginia, for one. I mean, there, there were bull rings there. And um, look, they, look look no further than uh, Maryland. Look at Maryland. They have just Maryland racing is basically dead. It's it's they've been crushed by Delaware and uh, states surrounding Maryland to where. Now Maryland Racing, it was thriving 20 years ago, and now it's now it's basically dead. Sorry, I agree with you, and, 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 Kentucky, and it hurts. Kentucky is facing a very very similar situation. So okay. if history repeats itself, like it has in Maryland, then Kentucky is is up for the same fate. We can only hope that the uh, the right people come to come to bat. And the right people have the uh, you know to educate the public. I think was a big is a big stepping stone in this in this direction. Paul, at this time, I'd like to thank you on behalf of Winning Ponies for taking time away from your family and and uh, and joining us and, uh, and 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 enlightening us on, on about your career, your horses, your runners, your thoughts. We'd like to wish you the best of luck in racing and and all that you do. And I'm sure we're going to be seeing you in the winter circle soon. 
Thanks for having me on, Ed. Appreciate oh, it. Paul, it's been our honor. Have a great evening. Alrighty. Paul McGee, one of the nice guys of racing, taking his time out with winning ponies, and you can see an educated man. He knows the game. Well, it is time to head out to another break. When we return, we're going to be talking more horses here on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Are you a wildfire survivor? Do you need help but don't know where to turn? SoCalHelp.org is a place you can go to get immediate help with food, shelter, important medications, and start getting your life back on track. Get help now with insurance, legal issues, and find professional help like doctors and counselors. You can also connect with other survivors and people who can help. For the answers and support you need to rebuild, visit SoCalHelp.org. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a clap From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. Welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Thank you for tuning in each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Just finished up with Mr. Paul McGee, classy guy in racing on the Kentucky circuit. His big horse bit on sunshine. Didn't want to tell him. I loved watching that run because I think he'd think I was a little, you know, goofy, you know. You're always following my horse. I mean, he had some tenacious runners. Paul's one of the great guys in racing. Mark my word, he'll be in the Hall of Fame someday as well. Speaking of one of the soon-to-be, maybe down the road, some Hall of Fame, he'll be in for race calling. One, Mr. Peter Ayalo is on the phone. Pete, are you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. Pete, it is good to hear from you, my friend. And uh, and I don't think I'm BS anybody because I'll take a bet on you. I mean, it's going to be a long-distance bet, but uh, I think the big circus lie in your future someday, whether you want to go or not. Well, you know, you're talking about Paul McGee horses. I heard Paul give the interview. I'm not sure whether he talked about him or not, but Paul had a horse by the name of Dream Run that was a uh, solid oh. competitor for a long time. and. Oh, he yeah. was always a horse that me and my dad liked. You know, he just was real professional, brought his cards to the table every time he ran, you know. so Paul, Paul had, he had a bevy of runners. I mean, they really kind of caught my eye. There was Baltazar B, Eyes on Eddie, Bet on Sunset, Dream Run, Honor and War, I Believe in You, Miss Pickham's, 
it's wild. I mean, they go on and on, and then plus the claimers. I mean, you know, and he did right. well with did well with all of them. I believe he's thirty eight percent of the money just on this year, which you know he's a, he's a solid conditioner. Sure is. Speaking of solid, somebody's play one last week. Well, we had all right. We, you know, we uh, told uh, everybody out there at Radio Land that uh, the Q Roy was a good bet and to use uh, Ali Show West underneath and that Spring Hall was the favorite on the morning line who ended up going off the off-time favorite was kind of a bit of a chandelier. They ran one, two, three, keyed up a $118 try. So hopefully somebody cashed on it. Q Roy, what did, Ed, you know better than me. I think he paid uh, $9 or something to that effect. So. Yes, he did. Yeah, yes, he did. Q. Roy, and uh, you know, you talked about the horse run second. You even mentioned horse run third, and I and I think that as you said, I believe they call it a triactor in Canada and a trifecta in the United States. So, uh, not bad shooting, me boy. You know, I'm going to put your feet to the fire, and I'm glad you called in because one, it's always good to hear from you, but two, it's even better to hear winners. What do we got, well, Peter? We got a couple of races tomorrow that are interesting. Uh, there's one race in particular, the seventh race on the card tomorrow. We have the odd-numbered races tomorrow on the card. Now, the caveat here, racing fans, is that I'm not sure how the racetrack's going to play. This afternoon at River Downs, it was a very speed-laden racetrack. They were going fast, and they were staying on. Um, so if that trend continues tomorrow, disregard everything I have to say right now. But uh, if the racetrack is dried out and back to its fairest shape, then I think we got a chance to make a couple of bucks tomorrow in the seventh race on the card. Now when there's a two and 0809 race for the Phillies, they go a mile. Uh, we drew seven in the race. Uh, even money on the morning line, the six-horse get fit. Uh, also uh, picked on the morning line there is the four-horse Sunday Blessing. Now, I'm here to tell you that short of Affirmed and Alidar, these two uh, might be in quite the rivalry all summer long here. They're both the same type condition Phillies, not winners of two and two years. So they really can't avoid running against each other. And uh, unfortunately for both of them, because they're both speed-laden Phillies, they're both Phillies that go to the lead, and if they don't go to the lead, they might as well just throw in the towel early in the race. And they went to the lead last time and had a suicidal speed to a 47-4 and after 22 on opening quarter. You go 22 seconds of the opening quarter at River Downs, you're, uh, you've pretty much sacrificed yourself there. So You're doing something. Think of What's that? You are at twenty-two. You're doing something. I mean, you, are, you, most you definitely are twenty-two. Well, and, and, yeah. and tomorrow, you know, they're in against each other again. And I don't, I can't get around the idea that they're going to do just as fast tomorrow, especially with the one-horse Navajo Cavern in there. Uh, if one of them wanted to get cute and try to sit back, well, then Otto would have to send Navajo Cavern. She's best from close range. The seven-horse Four Socks hasn't been seen since last August. She's on a stretch out. She's best from close range. So I think the winner of the race is going to come from off the pace. Uh, my top pick in the race will be the three-horse, Wiseman's Mill. Now, here's a horse that you have to kind of know River Downs a little bit to understand why I like this horse. Uh, trainer Eddie Harvey actually has this filly in the wrong race. Uh, she's actually eligible for the one and two years condition because that $2,500 win she had at Beulah Park doesn't count against her in the River Downs races. We try to give the Beulah horses a little bit of a... Uh, of, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, a get-out, a jail-free card, you know, winning the 2,500 races so they can remain somewhat competitive when they come down south and tackle the Kentucky horses. But Wiseman's most last three races have been against non-three competition. And a lot of times in Ohio, the condition races actually come up easier than the lifetime condition races. Uh, you go three races back, this filly was second behind a horse named Big Sis and Twins, who subsequently raced on the grass, was defeated, but then last week came back on the dirt against 
Bennett's non uh, four types and won. So she's coming out of a solid race three back. She was third two back behind a good winner, and she had a big time excuse last time when making a huge amount of move under Cesar Kamaki. She was wide into the stretch, and uh, by about the eighth pole, she was all done. So if uh, John, new jockey Aziel de Leon can get her to make one run from off the pace, I think she'll get first run on Lily Boo, and I think she's a little bit more of an honest racehorse than Lily Boo. But if you're using the exotics, definitely use Lily Boo and the exotics, and maybe even toss in Meggie Girl, who was a huge second with two races back against similar type horses. So look at the three, five, and the two in the seventh from River tomorrow. And then, Ed, if you would permit me, I would like to talk a little Please. bit, not too at length, about the 11th race on the card tomorrow, uh, only because I think we might be seeing an Ohio superstar in there, and I don't say that with, uh, with a heavy heart or anything of that nature. Uh, the two-horse in the 11th race tomorrow, Star Award, this filly came out ready to rock and roll. She drew the 11-hole in her debut. Uh, they did scratch down, so she got to drink out of the 10-post. She was away alertly from the outside draw. She stalked a very quick first-time starter from the Mike Rowan stable, took over, and uh, something that doesn't usually happen in Ohio bred maiden races, she was drawing away in the late stages of that one. Thorworth got her to switch leads very late in the race, and she earned a good figure for that race, 41 buyer speed figure. Should she repeat of that effort, she could be double tough. I think that the six-horse lovely bull will take some action fresh off of two wins against much less, but uh, she could uh, shake free. If Star Wars can get the trip she got last time on Breaking Maiden, I think she's an ironclad cinch in the 11th race tomorrow, and I like the uh, three-horse Wiseman's Mill at a bit of a price in the seventh race. So that's, uh, that's how I see the Ohio racing shaping up on Friday's card. Well, Peter, thank you so much for your time, and Pistol Pete, Hopefully we'll be hearing from you next week, and we'll be talking about some more winners. Well, at some point I'm going to have to hit a wall on these deals, but I figured that why, why, uh, why quit when the iron's hot, so to speak. So. <laughs> my man, Pete. Pete, thanks for calling in, my man, and we'll see you at the races. Well, you owe me some winners, too, so I'm, uh, I'm, coll- I'm waiting for the winners here. So give them <laughs> out, would you? <laughs> Hopefully you won't be waiting too long. Thanks All again, right, Pete. Have a great night. Pete Aiello, voice of River Downs, handicapper. He's done a few jobs, and he's a young guy heading to the top quickly. Need to touch on some biggins, how Winning Pony's been doing. Let's start with Friday, June 5th, 165 total biggins. Penn National was the winner that day, race number six. When I say the winner, that means the top payoff. Race number six, the Superfecta, 8,154.40. That's not jump change. I'd take it any day of the week. Saturday, June 6th, 188 total biggins. Topping the charts was Charlestown, race number five of Superfecta Key, $12,984.80. And Sunday, June 7th, 116 total biggins. Fort Erie scores heavy, and Pete plays the smaller circuits. Fort Erie Superfecta, $22,140.60. Monday, June 8th, 30 total biggins. Yavapai Downs races Two through five, a pick four, two thousand three seventy one sixty. Tuesday, June ninth, twenty nine total biggins. Fort Erie again, race five, a superfecta, five thousand six hundred sixty nine dollars. Then on to Wednesday, June tenth, fifty two total biggins, five thousand one hundred forty three dollars and ninety cents for Northlands Park in race number seven. Incredible money there. Thursday, June eleventh. 44 total biggins, Golden Gate, race number five, a super high five key, 8,995.40. Pretty good shooting there for the biggins. You need to take a look at winningponies.com and see what they've been doing. You can take a look at their history. It's very easy to use. 
I would suggest it. I've been using it. I've been watching it. I've been handicapping with it. It's very easy to use. It's, it's, it's great for the novice player, and it's great for the, the player that's well-seasoned and, and the veteran types. I think you're going to need to take a look at it yourself to actually be a believer. I'm going to toss out a few winners, hopefully. My man Pistol Pete might be listening, so might want to toss out a few winners here. We're going to start on Saturday at Belmont in the fourth race. There is a two-to-five, three, three-horse entry in here. I'm skipping. I'm going with Seattle Smooth, five-to-two, Ramon Dominguez. In race number four at Belmont, I love Seattle Smooth at five-to-two, Ramon Dominguez and Anthony Dutro. They won 47% the last 60 days, 68% in the money. Third start off of a layoff. Dutro, as you know, Richard Dutro and Anthony Dutro, they just tortured New York racing. Third off of a layoff, Dutro wins 22% of the time. That's in race four, Belmont. I love the three. Seattle smooth. On to the seventh race at Churchill on Saturday. At a mile and an eighth on the turf, the Jefferson Cup grade two. And by the way, it's Stephen Foster Day down at Churchill Downs. So there's going to be some big races and a wonderful undercard. In the seventh race at Churchill Downs, I love the five. Al Crespo's Julian Leigh-Proofer, George Rusty Arnold, very nice turf runner indeed here. Uh, you can bet Leigh-Proof will be giving all of his efforts coming down the road there. Then we make on our way to the eighth race at Churchill, one a mile and a 16th and Northern Dancer, grade three. I'm going to go against the favorite, and that'd be Warriors Reward, 6-5, to five, Calvin Burrell for Ian Wilkes. I'm going to go right to the rail, omniscient. Robbie Alvarado and Steve Asmussen, the rail is winning 26% of the time. I'm not going to call it a bias, but I'm going to call it the place to be for this three-year-old son of pulpit. Been, uh, been over the poly track at Keeneland and the Lexington last time out. I say throw that one out, omniscient. Real deal, Holyfield looks really good. Draws the one hole and is currently nine to two with Robbie Alvarado in the iron. So you're definitely going to want to take a look at that one. And and you know if you're going to box him, I might want to throw in the favorite there. It's okay to throw in the chalk for the uh, box. Won't hurt my feelings one bit. Hopefully it'll help your pocket. In the ninth race, the Florida Lee, a mile and an eighth of grade two. I like a runner in here. That is the three. That's Miss Isella Calvin Burrell for Ian Wilkes, second off of the polytrack. Second off the polytrack's been an angle that I've been following for, for quite some time, and I, I think that they, they've, they've been training over the poly, and it's a, it's a little softer going, it's safer going. When you make your way over to the dirt, it's a little more of a harder pounding, and sometimes it takes a little bit of a, uh, of a, a learning curve to kind of get back and say, hey, this is the dirt, and I kind of like this again. But the good thing about this filly, she's a filly for the course. Six starts, four wins in one second. Very incredible numbers. Race number nine, the Florida Lee. I like the three. Miss Izella. Then on to race number ten, the Stephen Foster grade one. $600,000 in this race here. I mean, that is really nice. I like the seven Asiatic boy, Alan Garcia, shipping in for Kira McLaughlin. In the last uh, 60 days, they've been in the money 52% together. Coming in from the United Arab Emirates and getting first-time LASIK, first-time LASIKs in the McLaughlin barn wins 19% of the time. First time with a trainer, he's a 17% winner. This horse is getting the juice, the LASIKs, where other countries will not allow it. Asiatic boy, Alan Garcia, one of the bright spots in the game. 
11th race at Churchill, a mile and an eighth on the turf. And I, I, I like another runner in here. It's the Grade 3 Regret. It's, it's, it's a nice turf race. And they have such a great turf course down there because it's sweeping turns. It depends on where they actually place the rail out. But in the 11th race at Churchill on Saturday, I'm going to go with number 10. Now, the reason that, I, that I'm going with a 10 is mainly Julian Lepreau, Pritania, 7-2. to two. And this runner here, the dam was a winner. She threw out one turf winner, one starter, one winner. And I am telling you what, this is one nice three-year-old filly here. And this will be the fourth turf race in 2009. Excuse me, make that the fifth race because snuck one in on February 1st at Tampa Bay. But in the race number 11 at Churchill Downs, the regret. I, I love this daughter of Royal Academy. Uh, looks the part. Uh, Julian Peru can pick up the pieces. Britannia in the 11th race. And, and I think that's worth a very nice bet. In the third at Hollywood, the round table. We're switching it up here. A mile and three quarters on the turf. The round table. Uh, I'm going to go no further than the one that's Obergato. Joe Rosario winning 22%. Neil Drysdale winning 26%. Very nice indeed. Shipped it to Northern California and didn't fire as well on the grade three uh, turf, uh, turf condition that they had out there. Actually, at Hollywood Park, eight starts, six of those in the money. And these guys have teamed up to be 67% in the money together. And Joe Rosario is a very fine rider. He's a 17% turf rider and 44% in the money. The third at Hollywood, the round table, I like Obergato. And uh, I think it's worth a play. Also, in the ninth race, is a mile and an eighth of California. And there's a grade two super little race here. I like Song of Navarone. Kind of sounds like a cowboy movie. you got Victor Espinosa for Henry Dominguez here. Third start off a layoff. Last time out, Lone Star Park. Texas Runners. Running against a little runner by the name of It's a Bird. Before that, strung together one, two, three, four straight winners right in a row, and three of which were nothing but all fairs. I like Son of Navarone. I like Victor Espinosa. I still have not done away with him yet. You know, you're hearing uh, more out of other riders, but Vicky Espinosa has been one of my favorites. I'm going to finish out my picks for the weekend. I'm going to end up at Old River Downs, a mile and a sixteenth on the turf. The Gentleman Stakes. I'm going to go with Alzerod on the rail. Otto Tharworth, Jeff Greenhill, get more money, come up that turf. It's third off a layoff. Well, time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing and winning ponies. I'd like to thank our special guest of the week, Mr. Paul McGee, Pistol Pete with his red-hot play, and you for tuning in tonight. So until next week, may your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck, everyone. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.